descendants of the Hasmonean Empire, Herods, and honored guests, please stand. For His Excellency, King Herod Agrippa III. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Which begs the question, why would anyone wear a crown? Don't get me wrong, we need them to. Our world needs people who will wear crowns. But our world needs the right people wearing them. Our world needs people willing to do what's right. People of integrity, humility, wisdom. People willing to be defined by the crowns they wear, not the other way around. I am the fifth generation Herod to wear this crown and hold the title King of Judea. But this crown is not what I live for. What you have heard about me is true. I number myself among those who follow a man named Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified 80 years ago in Jerusalem. I have received your letters of concern. I have heard your rumors that some say it is time for me to step aside, to relinquish my crown and not tarnish our family name. So thank you for coming today and hearing for yourselves the truth I have to share. But to understand that truth, You have to understand my story, which is our story. I'm amazed by our newer generations who don't know our family story. With the passing of time, it is like our family history is getting lost. So for those of you who know it well, indulge me as I share some of our family's story so that you would understand my choices. Our family hails from the Hasmonean Empire that ruled Judea following the Seleucids 300 years ago. My great, great, great grandfather was Antipater. He was an Idumean, which meant he was more Edomite than Jewish. 
Historians say he was a crafty self-seeker, which in any other family would be a criticism. But for a bunch of Herods, it turns out he found himself in a politically advantageous situation when he saved the life of Julius Caesar on the field of battle in Egypt during the Roman Civil Wars. To reward him, Caesar appointed Antipater, procurator of Idumea and Judea. Antipater had a son named Herod, who was as politically savvy as his father. Following the assassination of Julius Caesar, he chose to support Mark Anthony and Octavius as they tracked down Caesar's assassins, Brutus and Cassius, a very smart choice. Octavius became Caesar Augustus, and he appointed Herod to reign over his father's territory, Idumea and Judea, but he went a step further. He allowed Herod to have the title king, which for most people would be an honor in itself, but not for Herod. He had to add to the title, King Herod the Great. So for those of you who think some in our family consider themselves a little too highly, you know where it comes from. This is where the verdict of my great-great-grandfather's reign becomes a bit controversial. There are those who point only to the good that he did, and he did good. He rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. Some say it was grander and more splendid than the original under King Solomon. He remitted taxes to help the common people. During the great famine, he melted down his own gold reserves in order to provide corn for the peasants. He did good things. But he did other things, dark things. Herod was insanely suspicious of anybody he perceived as a threat to his power. He murdered one of his wives, Mariamne, my great-great-grandmother. He murdered her mother. He murdered two of his sons, which prompted Caesar Augustus from Rome to say that it's safer to be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. You understand that, don't you? Herod was always trying to prove how Jewish he was so he would never eat pork. But the worst happened after he received a peculiar visit from astrologers who came to Jerusalem from the east. They believed that the stars foretold the sign of a birth, a king of the Jews. This disturbed Herod, but what he told 
these visitors was that when they find the child to come and let him know so that he too can worship the child. But when they failed to return to Jerusalem, King Herod was outraged. He sought his advisors who found a prophecy that a favored child would be born one day in Bethlehem. And so he sent a regiment of soldiers who went to Bethlehem and murdered all male babies under two years old. He died in Jericho. He feared there would be no one to mourn his death. So he had all of the town officials rounded up and put in prison with the direction to his military that at the moment of his death, they were to all be executed. So at this news, there would be weeping. There are those who dispute that story. They say the soldiers rescinded the order, but there are others. There are descendants of those officials who were executed who say it was very much true. How does someone do that? And to his own people. We don't like talking about this, do we? It, it, it makes us uncomfortable. But that's how evil prospers. When we fail to tell the histories that reveal it. I would like to say our family got better, but you know better. Herod the Great had a son, Herod Antipas, who ruled as a tetrarch of Galilee. Following Herod the Great's death, all of his territory was divided into four regions. Four of his sons became tetrarchs. One of them did not. Herod Philip, who married the granddaughter of Herod the Great. Are you following that? He married his niece and moved to Rome. While in Rome, he was visited by Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee, who fell in love with Herod Philip's wife, Herodias. Have you ever thought much about this? Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, Herodias. Our family did not get very inventive with their names. He seduced her and talked her into leaving his brother and marrying him, which she did. Now, either Philip was a complete wimp or he was tired of the woman. Either way, Herod Antipas moved back to Galilee with Herodias as his wife. Friends, you can't make this stuff up. The story gets better or worse, depending on your perspective. Go back to that prophecy of a child to be born in Bethlehem. There was a child born. Somehow he managed to escape the genocide of Herod the Great. He was raised in Nazareth. He was known as Jesus. 
He had a cousin who was a prophet named John the Baptizer. And John the Baptizer began to preach openly, calling out the behavior of Herod Antipas, saying that his marriage to his brother's wife was immoral. So Antipas had John the Baptizer put in prison. He intended no harm to give my great-grandfather credit. He had enough religion in him to fear a prophet, but not his wife. She called for a feast in honor of her husband, and at this feast had her scantily clad teenage daughter from her previous marriage dance for her husband. And when he was sufficiently energized, he said to the girl, I'll give you whatever you want. And Herodias had prepared her daughter for just such a moment. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on the platter. And he did it. Our ancestors have done good things, but they have also done evil things. And this ought to concern every one of us. This is our bloodline. This is our DNA. People who are capable of good, people who are capable of evil. John the Baptist's cousin Jesus went afoul of the establishment and was too put in prison and appeared before Pontius Pilate, governor of Jerusalem, who sent him to Herod Antipas. Herod was excited to see Jesus. He had heard about him. The throngs of crowds who came to listen to his teachings and experience his healings. Herod Antipas wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for him, and when he didn't, He sent him back to Pontius Pilate who had him crucified. Followers of Jesus believed he was raised from the dead and they began to meet in his name and their numbers increased and by this time, my grandfather, King Herod Agrippa I, was ruler of Judea and he despised these people. He took one of the disciples of Jesus, a man named James, son of Zebedee, and had him beheaded. He put another named Peter in prison, but then he died. And my father, Herod Agrippa II, came to power. This movement, now known as Christians, continued to grow. And one of their great leaders named Paul, who was from Tarsus, while in prison, appeared before my father. I was but a boy, but I was standing there that day. And after Paul made his defense, well, there's more to be shared about that. I am now the one who continues this reign and wears this crown that has become a curse to our entire family.
before I assumed this position, I looked at our family history and I've made some observations. One is that all of my ancestors to wear that crown sought their own glory and they never found it. They murdered for it. They ruined their families for it. Most of them died in misery for a crown. The second observation is that all of my ancestors crossed paths with Jesus, either directly or through his followers, but they never had anything to do with him. They either rejected him or ignored him, but they never tried to understand him. So I chose to investigate this. I sought out a Christian group, and frankly, I found them to be normal people, people with jobs, people with family, and they welcomed me, not because of my position. They showed me no deference. They treated me as one of their own. The longer I was with them, the more I observed that their worship and their teaching had a profound effect upon their behavior, and the only way I can describe it is it made them more loving. It seemed to make them compassionate, and not just toward each other, but toward others around them, complete strangers, people who could bring no tangible benefit to them, to people who were poor. And this community, they had joy. I had always believed that joy is having what others don't, taking from others because you can. These people use a word to describe what's wrong with us, all people. Hamartia. It means to miss the mark. They say that it's like shooting an arrow. No matter how hard you try, how much you concentrate, if the sighting is just a little off, you'll never hit the target. They say we all have hamartia of the heart. It's what they mean by sin. Sin that's not a list of wrong behaviors. Sin that's a a condition, as one of their leaders explained to me. Sin is preferring our way to God's way. And then he used a phrase that struck ever so close to home, literally. He said, sin is when we seek our own crowns in life. I thought about my great-grandfather's death, Herod Agrippa I. He had been summoned from Jerusalem to settle a dispute in Caesarea. 
He spoke to a large number of the citizens in the great amphitheater in that city that looks out over the Mediterranean. It was a sunny day. He wore his gold robes. He was gleaming in the sunlight. And my grandfather was a tremendous orator. And when he finished, the crowd began to chant the voice of God. And at that moment, his abdomen split open. And witnesses said that what came out of him was worms. They say that God struck him down because he would not give God glory. I don't know that I believe that. But I do believe there's no life in self-glory. Self-glory rots you from the inside. My family, we all must have something to live for besides ourselves. We must have something greater to live for in this life beyond our own lives or will rot from the inside. This community I've associated myself with has shown me that way. They put Jesus at the center of their lives. They say that what is wrong with us is that we put ourselves at the center. And when we make life about our happiness, our rights, what we deserve, our own respect, we miss the mark. But when we give our lives away, we find them again. I can't help but wonder how different would our family be if only my great-great-grandfather would have done what he said he was going to do, and that was go to Bethlehem and worship the Christ child. What if he had done that? What if instead of killing babies, he had sought to feed babies? What if instead of building palaces for himself, he had used his vast resources to build houses for those who had none? What if instead of teaching his sons to kill prophets, he had taught them to listen to the voice of God. But we can't change that. All we can change is ourselves. So I have shared with you today so you would understand my choices. I am not making a defense. I have nothing to defend. I'm making an appeal, an appeal to a family that has so much to give. My father heard Paul's defense, and I was a boy standing beside him when my father said, 
Paul, do you think in such a short time to persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would not only that you, but all within sound of my voice would be as I am. Well, maybe it's been a long time in coming, but I am as Paul was. And I am still a Herod, and I will wear this crown, but I will wear it to serve God. What will you do with your crowns?